0: Get a jump start on 2024 in a new Kia from Robert Brogdon's Olathe Kia. Shop their large selection, including the new Sorrento, Nero, and Soul models. You'll score big with low prices, trade assist cash, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit OlatheKia.com. listening live to the program, your teams, your town, your program.
1: Getting that back-to-back Super Bowl champs, uh, it just hasn't been done a lot in history, and it it speaks to the whole team of not being satisfied with winning one, Um, being able to come back that next year and continue to work. A lot of times after winning the Super Bowl, you want to relax and feel like you're done. Um, But being able to have that mentality to battle through the adversity that we've battled through this season um, and get that that Super Bowl ring again, uh, it'd be extremely special.
2: It'll be the best defense that we played this year. I think uh, San Fran's got the most... The biggest front, the the fastest uh, linebackers that we've played, Um, they play very good together, too. they got a lot of smart guys, a lot of veterans in the secondary um, that understand this offense. So it's going to take a collective unit, and uh, it's going to take touchdowns. I mentioned that earlier. It's going to take putting up six points instead of three.
1: And now, a man who's interviewed everyone in Vegas but himself, Seren Petro. Right you are, Kay. Right you are. Petro, the program on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Our final day here at Radio Row in Las Vegas, Nevada. Our coverage is brought to you by the Low T Center, guys. You know your numbers. Low T Center makes it quick and easy. Go to lowtcenter.com to get your levels checked today. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Also brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore, Injury Attorneys, Greenlight Dispensary, and a Hollywood Casino as we broadcast live. On Radio Row, a lot to get to today. We're going to hear from Chiefs President Mark Donovan. Of course, uh, Kevin Harlan will be with us. Danny Klinkskill will be with us. Adam Teicher will be with us. And a whole, whole lot more. Uh, Let's get things rolling. What are we waiting for? Uh, We got a chance to talk to a former Bronco, former bad guy, uh, Mark Schlereth, uh, turned uh, football analyst. He joins us here in the program right now. Mark, how are you, sir?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's always good to be on with Kansas City. You know, I hate the Kansas City Chiefs with the White hot and of a Thousand. And sons, um, but I do have a lot of respect for what you guys have done. Um, it, it, like, I th- I don't know about you guys. I find myself maybe this was like you guys with Elway, I don't, and maybe not, but I find myself really trying to hate Patrick Mahomes, and I can't. And it bothers me that I can't, like, it really bothers me.
1: That's interesting that you would say that because Kansas City.
0: Found their way to hating John Elway. They did. They did not have a problem hating John Elway. No? No. I have just not been able to really muster up any real hate for my guy. Uh, well, he's not my guy, but for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I, I've really. I just find him. He's so freaking good. And um, and he's a pretty modest guy. I don't even know about that. I just think. I just like the greatness of it. And. And it just, it, it's fascinating to me how how good he is. Like, he is, like I always say, like, that dude is like a unicorn. And when he takes a dump, it's Orange Sherbert. Like, it just <laughs> is, like, I can't find anything wrong with him, you know? So, anyhow.
1: Um, what is it like? You know, you're, you're a Denver guy. Yeah. Right? And and you, you get in the feel for what it was like watching Elway stab us, you know, what you guys did to us yeah. all the time?
0: Well, I, let me just say this. Nobody... And I mean, nobody beats the Denver Broncos seventeen times in a row. You guys might have gotten a sixteen times in a row, but nobody beats us seventeen times in a row. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I get it. But again, like it's it's hard to hate. I love Andy Reid. I think he's a tremendous coach. Um, you know, I, I just have a lot of a lot of people there that I really like. I love. I'm a big tra- – I like Travis Kelsey, and, you know, I love the Kelsey brothers. and So anyhow, it's – and I always hated the Raiders more than I hated you guys anyhow as a player. So um, – but, yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's painful to watch, but at the same time it's fun to watch. You know, one of the things that really irritates me in that 16 straight games that you guys beat us, it, I always said – you know, that people would say, well, we're close. We, we You know, we played them to seven points, or we – you know, this, that, and then I go, dude, that is a cat – that drags up a half dead mouse on the porch and is playing with it, and the mouse finally gets enough energy to scamper away, and Hoo-dah! It whaps it back around like they just toying with us. They, it's not like like they can't they can put the hammer down anytime they want. So. Um, it was nice to finally get a victory, but it was just one of those, like, eh, they're not really into it anyhow. So it's been cool to watch what you guys have done, what Kansas City has done, because I think collectively they probably played two of their best games against two really good opponents here in the playoffs, where all of a sudden they feel like they flipped the switch. Um, and conversely, San Francisco has played probably their two worst games. I did the last two games of the season for the 49ers, and um, – and I thought collectively it was as bad as I've watched them play, um, not only defensively not playing well, but offensively really getting away from what they do. And so it was kind of it's been it's been kind of an interesting couple of weeks in the playoffs to watch these two teams kind of where they are right now. So what do you expect in this game? Well, I, listen, if 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 the San Francisco forty nine ers don't get back to doing what they do well, what they do better than anybody else is they motion shift and they run the ball and they they have such a good running game. And I always tell people it's like how you block an edge. So I'll give you for instance, like let's just call it eighteen handoff. They're running their eighteen handoff series, right? They'll 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 do a trade block with a tackle tight end. They'll do a quad block with two tight ends on that side in West formation. Then they'll all of a sudden they'll get into solo back and they'll motion across and they'll do a quad block with those two guys, but it's just a different look. And then all of a sudden they'll do the same thing, but the inside guy will take the outside portion of the of the defensive end, and the inside guy who's in motion across, the, the motion guy, will take the inside. You know, then they'll arc release and they'll hit him with a full back and then so you know, and then all of a sudden they'll motion a tight end across down the formation, they'll pin and pull. And ultimately it's same play for the Niners, where two guys adjust what they're doing on the edge, and to the defensive end of the defense, it looks like nine different plays. And then on every play they run, they have a corresponding play action that is completely married to that, that looks identical, and that's where they get the six-yard throws where there's not anybody within eight yards of the guy, and he catches it, and he turns into an exceptional running back, whether it's Debo or Ayuk or Kittle, or that's what they do better than anybody else. And I thought over the course of the two playoff games, they have become more of a spread gun dropback team. And I will tell you, their receiving core is not the greatest of route runners; they're just not. But they're really good in their play action game. And I just I felt like watching this whole thing go down. I thought. Man, they have just gotten away from doing what they do. And so they have got to get back to that stuff. Um, if they can, I think they can, you know, I think they'll be able to run the ball on on Kansas City. But um, one thing they don't want to do is they want to get a drop back game because... That's not what they do well, and I think Kansas City's back end is as good as anybody in this league, and I think their ability to rush the passer is great. And I think Spags, I thought Spaggs had an unbelievable game plan in how he was going to corral and and basically cage rush Mahomes, or excuse me, cage rush uh, Lamar, and um, even when they blitzed, even when they got like a a free runner. Like, that free runner would pull up about three yards before he got to Lamar. Basically, the understanding was, and it takes so much discipline to say, hey, listen, even if we get a free runner, if you run at Mahomes, and or excuse me, I, I keep screwing that up, but if you run at Lamar Jackson, he's going to make you miss, and that's when we're in trouble. And so you saw them where those guys weren't making moves. They were just trying to collapse the pocket. And it takes an unbelievable amount of discipline because you're not going to sack him a lot. You're just not. But you squeeze him, and he's not a great dropback. That's not what he does well. And I thought they forced him into doing what he doesn't do well. And I thought it was—I thought it was an exceptional game plan by Spags, and I thought it was great execution by the Chiefs, unselfish execution by the Chiefs. Because when you get a free runner, it's really hard not to just put your head down and try to destroy a quarterback. And That's how you lose against Lamar and and the Baltimore Ravens. So I thought it was great.
1: The other aspect of that is you got to cover. Right? Like, if you're going to yeah. take your time getting there, you got to cover on the back end. And, and the Chiefs' and, secondary is and underrated.
0: Yeah, and, oh, they're great. And the other thing they have the ability to do, whether it's Snead or some of the other guys on their roster, is, you know, Reed is really good. Um, they've got a bunch of guys. Who's, who plays your slot? Who's a slot guy? He's exceptional. Uh, uh, Trent McDuffie? Yeah, McDuffie. McDuffie is an exceptional player. But one of the things they do really well is they'll disrupt routes. And they're great at the line of scrimmage, disrupting routes, and then being able to be sticky in coverage after they disrupt the route. So you got to have great hands. Like I always say, that playing corner is a lot like playing like left tackle or or right tackle. Your ability to to go backwards and to strike people and to change, you know, to change that is you got to be great at doing that. And they're great at doing that, and then falling off in coverage. So it disrupts the initial read, and then you got to regather, and you got to. And then all of a sudden, with Lamar, he started looking at that pocket squeezing, and, um, and again, they're they're great. They I think I think they're really good. I think they're back in their combination of rushing coverage together is is really exceptional.
1: What is we're talking to Mark Schlereth here? Uh, what what is the the Super Bowl hype? Is, is it a real thing? Like, like, does it take it out of you? Do you, you know, we've had some extreme cases. I remember uh, the, sure. Raider, the Raiders Center and yeah,
0: uh, uh, Bear Robbins, Bear Robbins, yeah.
1: But for the most part, how, how much of it is it
0: is is an distraction when you're in these games? Well, it depends on how, how mature is your team. Um, you know, I think I think the big thing really is, you know, is is game day. It take it feels like it takes forever to get here. You know, uh, better here on the on the you know West Coast than it is on the East Coast. But yeah, you take you, you're laying around, sitting around, you know, waiting to play um, the biggest game of your life. So that that can be that can be a little bit edgy. You know, that can create some anxiety. Um, but you know, ultimately, it's the team that settles in and just plays. Like once you once you hit somebody, you. It's just a football game, like right. like any other football game you've ever played. But you you definitely can wear yourself out. The other thing that's a little bit different, you know, I think back to Super Bowl thirty two for me. Uh, Terrell Davis suffered a migraine headache and you know and it's legendary you know Mike Shanahan is like he's like Terrell's like I can't see you don't need to see on this play I just need you to I just need to fake it to you right <laughs> and you're like you know the brutality of the NFL right I can't see well I don't need you to see you just got to accept the fake so we can run the boot keep game or they we can run the the waggle out and and John Elway can get on the edge you know and and so you know Terrell missed the, the that part of that second quarter and, um, and then went into halftime, went to the locker room early, uh, out of the second quarter. You think about had, had it not been the Super Bowl, because the regular halftime is 12 minutes. Well, the Super Bowl, it's like 30 minutes. So it gave us an extra 15 minutes or so yeah. for him. He got the medicine. He got his migraine medicine in that calms it down. Um, had it not been for that, he might have missed the entirety of the third quarter as well. And he came out at halftime, if you remember, a fumble on his first carry. And um, and you know that was a little bit shocking, but anyhow, then it, obviously he had 158 yards rushing and, and basically missed almost a quarter, or a good quarter of a quarter. So um, I think all those things are are just really, you know, interesting. How you manage the time, how you manage the extra halftime, how you manage the you know the TV timeouts are a little bit longer. All that stuff, all that stuff matters. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it does. Uh, We're talking to Mark Schlereth here in the program. Uh, You're working with Low T Center. Uh, Tell me about about Low T Center.
0: Well, you know, you talked about it, knowing your numbers. And I think most of us as guys, um, you know, I always joke around, if it wasn't for my wife, I'd be dead because I'm not going to the doctor. I'm not doing anything. And and, um, I started working with Low T Center because my cardiologist was recommended, hey, man, your testosterone is so low. And for a lot of former players, it, it happens because of all the head trauma. Um, and so he's like, I, I'd like you to get on a little bit of testosterone. I was like, All right, I can, you know, I can do that. And then, um, you know, I was, uh, every week you go in, every week you you get your shot. Every week I'm I'm doing my uh, blood work every three months or so. I'm doing my blood pressure and and knowing your numbers. And all of a sudden, I went from a resting heart rate of uh, you know 58 to 62 to one day I was 99. And they're like, hey, man, there's something wrong here. We, You need to go see your doctor. And I went in, you know, I had a physical schedule. I uh, went in, you know, a week later to see my doctor, and, and I had developed AFib um, out of nowhere. And so all of a sudden, you know, you're five times more likely to have a stroke if you have AFib. And I ended up having a, a couple procedures, and I had a, you know, I had a ablation heart surgery surgery. Um, and so it was one of those things where, like, had it not been for low T, I, I just wouldn't have known. Yeah. And, and you know, that stuff is, you know, obviously, you know, six, like I said, five, six times more likely I have a stroke. And so anyhow, I'm, you know, I'm thankful. So it's one of those things that I I do a pretty good job now of monitoring through, through Low T Center, monitoring myself every uh, weekly basis. Yeah. And uh, and then, like I said, every, every three months or so, I get my blood work done, and I, I just – I'm much, I'm much more in tune with what's going on as I age, and uh, and, you know, and trying to keep myself as healthy as I can.
1: You can get your levels checked at LowTCenter.com. Time for our final four, four quick ones for you. You ready, Mark? All right,
0: yeah, I'm ready. Give me your prediction on the game. A hundred to nothing, San Francisco. No, no, I took uh, I took the Niners, uh, and and listen, I don't feel good about this, but I'm I'm got the Niners twenty seven twenty six, mostly because of my affiliation with the Shanahan's. So don't press me on that.
1: Okay, uh, <laughs> how many championships does Patrick Mahomes win when his career is over?
0: He's got two right now. He's got two right now. Uh, let's hope. Let's hope it's only two more. Or let's hope it's only two. I'll say five. Five. Okay. It gives you an idea. God, what it makes me. <laughs> that was like eating a turd sandwich. All right. Five. I hope it's. I hope it's. I hope he doesn't. Oh God. Toughest defensive lineman you ever went up against. Toughest for you? Oh shoot. Uh, the guys like. You know who I saw here who's a legend of the game that you probably never heard of? Eric Swan. Yeah.
1: Remember Son. Eric Swann?
0: Oh, No shot. college. Uh, to the Cardinals. And- Dude, you want to. I took one of the greatest ass-whoopings of my life to Eric Swann uh, in 1993. I, I went on IR shortly thereafter. I, I had uh, Guillaume barre I lost all the feel in my arms yeah. and legs. And I, there was something wrong with me. I knew there was something wrong with me. And I had kind of put it on him the year before. He's a real raw player. He he got revenge. He beat me like a rented mule for four quarters. (laughs) It was one of the best ass-whippings I've ever taken in my life. Uh, I'd tell you, the guy I had, I had trouble blocking Pierce Holt. Okay, Um, Niners. Do you remember Pierce Holt? Yes, I do. Pierce Holt beat me up in a playoff game one year. Um, Pierce Holt, I I, I played him in a a preseason game. We were at a week in London and kind of handled him, like kind of beat him up a little bit. And then he started lining up about two and a half yards away from me, and coming at me like a Tasmanian devil, and just arms and legs and And yeah, he worked me over once in a game. Uh, Phil Hanson, you remember Phil Hanson from yeah. Buffalo? Uh huh. Gelatinous. You could never like I was if I got my hands on you, you're dead. Like I, like I am still cock strong. Always have been. And uh, <laughs> that's some bitch. I could. Never, at the end of the day, it's not like he put a bunch of stats up, but I never felt like I had touched him. Like he's like, Gah. so he drove me crazy. There's a few guys. I always played really well against the guys like hall of famers like Warren Sapp, and those guys um, had a good game plan against them. But there was a couple guys that were awkward for me. Yeah, that just I just didn't match up well against. That's
1: why Tim Grunhardt tells kind of similar stories. Yeah, to the guys yeah. that would give him trouble. Uh, all right, finally, what the hell was on the Broncos jerseys?
0: Oh, I had, I mean, I was caked in Vaseline every game I ever played, so that's not illegal. It shouldn't be, anyhow. I mean, everybody's got, yeah, you know, D Lyman would always spray, like, silicone on their, on their, where you grab them. Like, the reason that God invented shoulder pads and the breastplates on shoulder pads is so I could hold you. Yeah. So, um, so that was just a given. So I was like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, like, you would cake, I'd cake Vaseline, like, right here in the back of my armpit. Right. So if you're trying to grab, because that's a place you grab, because our jerseys are taped down. Yeah. So we do the two-way carpet tape. So the jerseys, they can't grab anything on the jerseys because they're taped to your shoulder pads. Where they try to get you is right back here in the back of your tricep. So I would have... Like I would literally have a almost a jar of vaseline on my triceps. So you reach back there, you're just getting a wad of vaseline. <laughs> so uh, that's how they that's how we operate but every like you know, I always like it's the bounty gate thing. Sean was bound everybody there's not Joe Gibbs is the most regal man I have ever met in my entire life. Monday after a game was like an episode of Oprah. You get a TV. You get a TV. You get a TV. You get a thousand bucks. You get a hundred bucks. You get a. I like guess just the way the whole league operated. So, like when they're like, oh, bounty gate, bounty gate was garbage. Everybody, everybody was involved in quote unquote bounties. Decleaters, You got a couple hundred bucks. And you knock a guy ass over tea kettle, and his feet went up in the air. That was a couple hundred bucks. I mean, yeah, it was. Yeah, that was just the way the league operated. So that that stuff is garbage, and everybody's everybody's trying to get an advantage. Um, hell, going to Kansas City, like like going to Kansas City was such like Kansas City. I have so much respect for playing there. Um, we, like we we would empty thirty five percent of our playbook. We couldn't run it. Yeah, it's too freaking loud. But like we took out every seven-step drop, gone. Um, it was all three-step drops. It was all five-step, no hitch. Get it out. I mean, when you're talking about uh, you know Sally Amua, and you're talking about you know Derek Thomas and and Neil Smith, and you guys cheating with the little fake snap counts and all the crap you guys did, Vaseline was the least of least of what was going on with those games.
1: Mark, uh, it's been a treat, my friend. Absolutely, we, we take care appreciate. Yourself. Enjoy your
0: Super Bowl week. You too.
1: You're on the program here on Sports Radio 810 WHB. We're with you as we are live at Radio Row, Super Bowl 58 coverage. Brought to you by the Low T Center, Deepa Squally Moore, Injury Attorneys, Green Light Dispensary, Hollywood Casino. It is uh, here in Las ne- Vegas, Nevada that we uh, welcome Chase Daniel Yeah. the program. Chase, how are you?
3: Great. How are you? I'm fantastic. How many times have you been called Chase Daniels? Uh, today? None. None? none. I, th- I think it's actually like since I've stopped playing and gotten to the media realm, they've literally, I-, I don't think one person has put an S on my name. Although I will say, actually, I think that's... Today I was on Dan Patrick Show live, and they put a little they put something on social media on Instagram. We're friends of the show, and we we go on quite a bit. But they posted uh, a graphic with Dan Yule's with an S, yeah. And I just gave like a a frown down sign on Instagram, and they they changed it because they knew they knew what it was. I didn't have to tell them. So other than that, though, I feel like since I've been in the media realm, it's it's hasn't really happened. You understood why it happened though, because
1: like it wasn't like your name was printed anywhere.
3: Yeah, very prominent. Yeah, yeah. Where you could see, you know, it's like. Oh, there has to be an S on that. Like that, that thats just how it goes in today's society. But yeah, that's a, that's a good question, and I'm glad you brought that up because it yeah. hasn't really happened a lot.
1: No, I, do, I have people say it all the time. Like, yeah. oh, you know Chase Daniels. I go, I don't know Chase Daniels. Yeah. I know who Chase Daniel is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, so why Mizzou? How, how did, what, what was it that drew you to Missouri? I, I'm always fascinated by this story. Yeah. You know, Shockley, looking at me, I wasn't recruited. Yeah. Just so you know. I know okay. that'll stun you. That's a little bit of a stutter. Yeah, a little, right. bit, a
3: little bit. Um, <laughs> what so was it like? I think Mizzou, for me, was the relationships and the coaching staff. I think that's really what... Um, led me to Mizzou, ultimately. Um, But it also helped that they had Brad Smith, who was a living legend. I'm like, that guy's really good. And it also helped that uh, David Yost and, you know, Gary Pinkle and, and Dave Steckel recruited me. They were awesome. It also helped that I was... Missouri was my very first offer. And so they sort of started what my dad used to call the Chase Daniel Sweepstakes. As soon as we got an offer from Mizzou, it was like, bam, 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 bam. And we ended up with like 40 or 50 offers. And I wanted to have my commitment done um, before my senior year. And I wanted to make sure that everyone understood that I was there, but I wanted to win a state championship in football and wanted to be my full focus on that. And then obviously, like, like they kept recruiting me, um, and I never wavered. Like, my dad was like, look, if you commit, like, your bond is your word. So you better stay committed. And honestly, it was great. Like, it was just so fun to be up there and to be um, a part of something special. And I really liked the fact that, look, they were on the cusp of something, Missouri. And I didn't want to go somewhere to where – you know, the writing was already on the wall. They were already a top 15 team. There were there were offers out there for it. Like, they didn't, you know, I wanted to go somewhere where I could help build it. Right. And um, that's what we did, man. Yeah. And, 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 and and it is definitely not all me. Like, like I was just, like, literally, I was just today with Chase Kaufman, who's yep. here in town. Yep. Like, one of, my, one of the main guys I've stayed in contact with. We went over to UNLV to visit Barry Odom, who was there in corner Florida. who's yeah. the running backs coach there like like so those relationships they run deep man and it's been really cool to see that it's been fun to to, to, to live it out but I, i'm so glad like like i remember my first year at missouri i was just like what is happening like who where am i at because <laughs> like it's freezing cold it's dark outside from january to april like i don't know like what's happening and then because i'm from dallas it's right. completely different. Yeah. And I just remember that second year when I was named the starter, I was like, man, this is actually, like, really, really cool. Like, everyone's so nice. They changed the – like, all that stuff. It was awesome. The,
1: where were you thinking about?
3: Well, if it wasn't Mizzou. Where, what yeah, were the other ones? It came down to um, Wisconsin, uh, Stanford, Florida with Urban Meyer, and then Missouri. So I, I just really felt a calling. And, and, and I did like that they were real with me. Pinkel. Uh, Coach Christensen was the OC at the time. David Yost, quarterback coach, like, hey, we want to build this offense exactly how you ran it in high school. And I think that mattered to me, and it did. I mean, we were an empty 55% of the time. We were in shotgun at seven yards deep, and it it really helped.
1: And and that, and that, that became the style. And Missouri even started making that switch with brad smith
3: totally and 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 his that offense when you saw that in 05 that year you're talking about it really did switch it switched from um more of a running aspect of brad because obviously like the dude is insane running ability and then when it came to me we started getting all these really good receivers and we were five wide and we're spreading out we're throwing quick games throwing screens throwing deep passes and so uh, it just is cool to see it like look back on high school see it come to fruition
1: yeah high school football in texas yeah. It's kind of a thing.
3: Yeah. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just like, a little
1: bit. Is it, it? How matters everybody that college and NFL are now starting to play games?
3: Yeah. Or like, like, that's mean,
1: a big thing down in Texas. Yeah.
3: And I think with with me, um, yeah, my dad had a really good vision. Like, really, really, like, tunnel vision on what he wanted for me. And it was to be in a really, really competitive high school. Uh, for sports, and honestly, I, I went to Southlake in seventh grade, and it was because we were moving from Irving, Texas, in, in the Dallas area, and the schools were getting a little bit bad. My, my dad was like, First of all, like your, your education is of utmost importance. And then we played select baseball with a bunch of the guys at Southlake. Oh, well, let's look outside. We ended up loving it. One high school town, so everything funnels into that high school. And just so happens they were good at football and, and I was good at football, like, you know, but I just can I really moved there for the athletics and then baseball guys. And we played baseball throughout high school, but I just continued to get better. And surpass how good I was in baseball with football, and just kept going. And I was like, "This is fun! Like this is awesome!" And so I think that's really what drove me to want to play college football. And then, and then obviously, like we went forty-seven-one in three years. So we went sixteen and zero my sophomore year. I was a starting receiver on varsity. Fifteen and one lost in the state championship. My quarterback year in junior year I lost by one point, and then sixteen and zero my senior year, starting quarterback. So it was it was a fun time out there. And it was like it was the best. You know, I, I felt like my jump to college coming from Texas was easier because I played Texas high school football.
1: What about your jump to the pros? How big a jump is that?
3: I mean, it is. It's like... How big of a shock is it when you do all the things you did at Missouri and they go, yeah, we're not going to draft you. Well, I think that was so before the time of like, hey, you're too short. Right. That is completely... How, how, are, how tall are you I'm barefoot. six foot. I'm six foot. I measured it six foot and like an eighth okay. at the combine. Um, and I think that is completely out the window now. And I think that maybe if I was even five years later, then it could have been a first-round pick or something like that. And, and, look, I didn't have a great senior year in terms of, like, I threw a lot of interceptions. That all mattered. But I think it was a blessing in disguise that I went undrafted. And honestly, like, like left this sh- chip on my shoulder still to this day that i got to prove myself each and every day. And, um, like, right now, I want to be the best in the world. Like, I want to be able to study film, do tape... Come up with unique uh, factual information, t- uh, takes whatever you want to call it, and I think that still just is rooted in me. And it's just like, hey, it, you know, you do everything how you do something, and so that like you better put your best foot forward. And for me, it's just like all in at every at all times.
1: Yeah, and uh, and you're doing your podcast. Yeah. you're doing your day t- t- breakdown. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, I love it. I love how, it. How does everybody get to it? I know Steven talks about it with you. Yeah, well, yeah. How does I mean, everybody get to it?
3: look the uh, the the thing that most important or and, and most important, but the thing that's most important to me is. Is the YouTube breakdowns that I'm doing right now quarterback film breakdowns? We just did one on Patrick Mahomes. It's about a 25 minute. I say just like four or five days ago um, of the AFC Championship game, and it's been cool. I, I take I pick 12 to 15 plays from a game, and I'm able to illustrate it actually on video and draw on video and explain to people what they're seeing and a little bit behind the scenes. And I think that's been really good um, from my perspective because, and, and honestly, like there's not a lot of people out there doing it. And like the Patrick Mahomes one has 140,000 views on YouTube. So like, it's it just like, it's taken off as we've gone. And I think it's also given me a name to be like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. So that that's fun. And we had a podcast with Trey Wingo, Apple, Spotify. We got a podcast with the athletic football show uh, weekly. And I'm on NFL network, like just a little bit of tentacles of media stuff all over
1: yeah, the you're not coaching though. No, so many people thought he's going to be the coach of zoo one day.
3: Yeah, well, you're looking at my wife over there. She would not <laughs> be happy with that one right there. Um, she, I mean, look, I've given so much time to the game of football, rightfully so, because it, it was important to me, very important. Uh, it's not who I am. Uh, it's just what I did. And um, look, I saw when I was in LA the last two seasons of my career we lived in san diego still and i would drive round trip every day because i don't want to stay up there and spend extra money we have a house in san diego and it was in orange county so it wasn't that bad it was an hour 10 each way but i saw my kids during football season the last few years 10 hours a week and like they're at a really formative age right now six four and two and um i wanted to be home more so i think this you know with coaching I think it would be awesome if it didn't have a family. Like, I think it would be really, really good. And, 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 like, I got offered some coaching jobs last year in the NFL. Not like, sure. right when I was stopped. Yeah. And I just was like, ah. Like, no, not not right now. Maybe maybe a decade from now when our kids are grown and older. But right now I'm really enjoying what I'm doing.
1: What makes Andy Reid so good? You've been <sighs> in, you've been in those meetings?
3: Yeah. Uh, look, I'm not going to give the same answers. What I see. Well, it's often to pre- – no. I, I think for him it's all about relationships. And I think that he had a very set culture in mind when he took over as a head coach in 2013. I was a part of that team. It was ground level, right? Year one for Andy. And I think he had a really clear plan for how to do that, and it's by relationships with players. Being strict, but being... That uncle or that grandpa you don't want to piss off. Yeah. At the same time, and you don't want to you don't want to see his red hair. Yeah. You know, like he'd be the first one to tell you that. And so I think that's just what KC needed. Obviously, with John Dorsey being the GM, Brett Veach now being the GM, all these things the building through rosters and players. It's taken a long time, but it's man, he's done it. He's done it at such a high level for so long. And I think that just how much he cares about players, and he does it in such a unique way that he uses probably of any head coach I've ever been around. He uses the least amount of words in team meetings. Like, like team meetings are five minutes. Max, you're in and out. But what he says, you are holding on to every single nugget of it. And that's impressive to me.
1: We're talking to Chase Daniel here in the program. Time for our Final Four. Brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Four quickies. Start you with this. Prediction. Who wins? What's the score?
3: Yeah, what's the score? Okay, I haven't been giving score, but I'll give a score for you. I think the Chiefs are going to end up winning this game. And I, I want to say... I, I think that the Chiefs need to get into the mid to upper 20s to win this game. So I'm going to go 28-24 All right, Chiefs. We'll um, I think that the Chiefs right now defensively are playing some of the best ball in football. And I think on the other side of that ball, the 49ers defense, not so much. They're giving up 160 yards rushing a game in the playoffs. Uh, that's going to be, I'm sure, a big part of Andy Reid's plan. And so we'll just see how it, it happens, especially in the first half when, when, when teams get dug into the feel of the game. Uh, how many championships for Mahomes when his career is all said and done? Wow, this will be three, right? Um, like, I, I want to say, I'm going to say five. Okay. I think I think five.
1: Uh, best quarterback to hang out with out of all the quarterback rooms you've been in?
3: Wow. Um, that's a good one to hang out with? Yeah. Um you I'm guys go, had spent a lot of time I'm going go with Matthew Stafford. Really? Yeah, from Dallas, from from he's my guy. He's yeah. fun. Can golf with him, can go uh like hang out, get a drink with him at a bar, uh, golf like everything. for so yeah. him overall.
1: For finally, me. finally who was your favorite player as a kid?
3: Man, Football I player. yeah, I really enjoyed Brett Favre. Like, like, I grew up in Dallas, and I wasn't a Dallas Cowboy fan. Um, but I just loved watching Brett Favre, how he played the game. The, I mean, true gunslinger now. He throws some intercep- he's got the most interceptions of all time. People don't yep. understand that. Yep. Um, and so I wore number four in high school because of him. And I wore number four when number 10 was taken uh, at some other stops. So, yeah, Brett Favre.
1: Chase, uh, really appreciate the time. Congratulations on all the success. Thanks. Have a great weekend. All right, man. Thanks. Welcome back here in the program here on Sports Radio eight hundred sure, and ten WHP Sorrent Petro with you live at Radio Row at Super Bowl fifty eight. We're brought to you by our friends at the Low T Center, Deepasqually Moore Injury Attorneys, Greenlight Dispensary, and Hollywood Casino. And we're lucky to have uh, one of a, a good friend of the program, Ross Tucker. Even remembered me uh, from uh, back at uh, Radio Except Row. I thought it was Sorrent. Yeah, I didn't know it was
2: Sorrent. I knew it was S O R E N. Yeah, Petro. Yeah, right. Yes, yeah. I knew that. I think we've also had some interactions on social media. Too. there have been a couple yeah. here and there
1: perhaps uh all positive though right or did you i don't really read what people hit, hit, hit me so if you hammered me i, I missed it but no, i'm no, usually no. pretty positive i didn't about hammer it. you
2: unless you said something stupid about food that I, agree with. <laughs> I didn't hammer you
1: you can catch ross on the ross tucker football podcast uh, does play by or does color and uh, just about everything when it comes to football first of all uh, what do you think about the game uh who, who do you like in the game
2: yeah, I mean, I like the Chiefs. In all sincerity, is there anybody right now that's saying that they like the Niners?
1: Um, and if they do say they like the Niners, what would their logic be? What would they even say? Well, that's interesting that you put it that way because it seems like the logic. No, most people are picking the Chiefs. Everyone I've talked to is picking the Chiefs, and their answers. I know I found one. I think Dan Orlovsky. No, no, Dan Orlovsky said he was done picking against Patrick Mahomes. He took Mahomes, and that's the thing. Why are you picking the Chiefs, Mahomes? Like, is that too simple? No. To just be like... Well, first
2: of all, it's not too simple, but it's also not my only reason. Okay. What's yours? The Chiefs' defense is better than the Niners' defense. The Niners got run over by the Packers and the Lions. Run over. The Chiefs just totally stoned the Baltimore Ravens. Stoned them. I mean, they got the best defense, arguably, in the league. Up there with Baltimore, certainly. And then even the old line has been playing better. Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith, who have annoyed me at times this year, they're playing better. I just, I have a tough time. The argument, I think, in favor of the Niners would be that you think they can run the ball in the Chiefs like the Bills did and that you think Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw can do a pretty good job covering Kelsey over the middle. Right, and not let Kelsey kill them. But listen, the Ravens have good linebackers too. The Ravens had Brandon Stevens, their best corner, on Travis on the fourth and two. And they still completed it. They had Kyle Hamilton, who, Surren, he might be the best matchup for Travis Kelsey in the league. He's 6'4", 220 with long arms, Cover, and he's a safety, covering Kelsey, touchdown, back shoulder throw. So it's not just Mahomes, Mahomes, Mahomes. It's not. They didn't score a point in the second half against the Ravens. And I will say this. I had Ryan Leaf on my podcast, Raw Tucker Football Podcast. I said, what impresses you the most about Mahomes? And he said... His unselfishness, and he has no ego. I said, what are you talking about? He's like, the second half against the Ravens, they didn't really throw the ball deep. They didn't really take chances. They kind of said, we're up by 10. Our defense is awesome. You know, the old Mahomes, and maybe even the old Andy Reid, they would have pushed the limit and still kept chucking the ball down the field. But... The new Mahomes or the new Andy Reid or whoever—they're like, you know what? We're not going to do that. Like, we're not—we're not, we're not going to force the issue. We're going to—we're going to let the defense win the game for us. And they—they they
1: manage the game, right? And everybody hates that term, game manager, but it's something you have to do, right? It's not a negative, even though a lot of quarterbacks don't like it. It's something you have to be if you're going to be great. You have to be a game manager, and he used game management skills. And Andy Reid, are you like me? I think it's harder for Andy Reid. To not touch the stove and say let's go long, than it is Patrick Mahomes. Like I, I think it took Andy Reid all the way till they got their nose bloodied against the Raiders on Christmas Day before he finally had to say, okay, we're not going to be electric. Let's just play to the strength, which is the defensive side of the ball. I agree, and I'm 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 proud of Andy
2: Reid for doing that. It's funny <laughs> I interviewed both him and Mahomes right after the AFC Championship game. Right. And said hi to Taylor Swift, by the way. Yeah, there you um, go. While I was waiting for that. And I said to uh, Andy Reid, I said, does it make it, you know, people were saying that you guys couldn't uh, win road playoff games. Does it make it a little better? And he was like, yeah, it does. (laughs) It does. Like, that was important to them. That was something they wanted to do. And then I said to Mahomes, he's awesome, by the way. Like, the whole dad bod thing. And I said to Mahomes, you know, I kind of thought that you might, uh, on the last third down against the Ravens, run the ball to take a two-minute warning. He goes, "Yeah, no chance." You know, he says that. Yeah, no chance. We're throwing it.
1: I, I trust my guys. We're going to let them go make a play, and uh, that's why they're here. Again, yeah. by the way, you mentioned the dad bod. Like, if you watch the video, could we stop with like he's some fat ass? That's I going didn't around? see. I didn't see the video. I just saw the picture, and you know,
2: like a lot of us. He has a strong core, but then he has a little bit of got a little bit of fat on top of the core. There's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah, I I, I even think that, that's like a bad angle. When you see the video, you're like, okay. He's he's he doesn't have he's not a um, he's not chiseled. He's not a swimsuit model. Right. He's he's more of a he's more blocky like an offensive lineman. You know what? Uh,
2: he's in every way. He's bigger. He's bigger and faster and better than you think. In other yes. words, like he's a little bit thicker than you think he is. Yes, and a little bit faster than you think he is. Yeah. And for some reason, like we've been watching him every game for years, you would think it's not like a secret, but people still underestimate him. I think in both those categories.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree. He even says it. He goes, "I look funny when I'm running, <laughs> but I'm actually moving pretty good." I just it's funny because I think America probably wants to
2: hate the Chiefs because of their success, and certainly some people probably do, I just think they're likable. I mean, Andy Reid's likable. Mahomes is likable. Travis Kelsey's likable. And if you could argue that because of the -the off-the-field stuff, Tyreek wasn't likable, they, they moved on from him. and He's not there anymore. I mean, how about that, by the way? You trade the best receiver in the entire league. Every station here, they all want a receiver like Tyreek Hill. They'll pay him $25 million a year. The Chiefs trade him away, and now they might win the Super Bowl two times in a row. Yeah, that That is bananas. <laughs> like they, 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 It's almost like the Chiefs, it's almost like he zigged while everybody else was zagged. Everybody else is like, we got to get the receiver, the star receiver that takes top off the defense, $25 million a year. Beach is like, oh, yeah,
1: yeah, you do? You can have him. Here you go. We'll win a different way. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it is. I mean, and you mentioned Brett Veach. That's probably the most. The defense is finally getting some hype now. But maybe the most underrated part of the team is Veach's cap management with the Patrick Mahomes contract. He's the most expensive player ever to win the contract, ever to win the Super Bowl by dollar figure, but also by percentage of cap. It was supposed to be that you can't win once the quarterback's deal gets that big, and they might win it twice in a row. That's a great
2: point. I'm glad you brought that up, Seren. I need to make a note to myself. I'm going to fire that up when... Uh... If the Chiefs win, I'm going to be like, can't believe the Chiefs can can keep winning Super Bowls with a high-priced quarterback. Who would have thought? Yeah. I thought that was impossible.
1: Uh, I mean, I almost wonder if, you know, you might remember Mike Shanahan used to turn and burn the running backs. Yeah. He went, oh, Landis Carey, Mike Anderson, Ruben Drones, all that. You know, after they traded Clinton Portis. Of course, like, yeah, yeah, What are they going to do, right? Well, I almost feel like the Brock Purdy is almost, he's doing it with quarterbacks. The way Kyle is doing it, the way his dad did with running backs, I wonder if he's like, well, Garoppolo started getting we couldn't have all our stars. So I'm gonna go get the and he took two shots at it. Fired two bullets. Lance, let's see if we can develop him, the athlete. Two, let's go Brock Purdy, game manager, and he's been more than that. But let's go get him and we'll have the cheap quarterback. And I wonder if he's gonna turn it over like every five years.
2: So I don't think that. I mean I, I think if Purdy wins, they're not gonna walk away. No. Exactly. Um that that would surprise me if I think that they, you know, it's hard to get a quarterback to play as well as Purdy is. And if you get that, I think you don't want to... Look, they went for Trey Lance, and it it
1: was a disaster. Purdy kind of saved them. So let's say they win the game by one point in a rock fight. 14-13, with a defensive score for them. They get seven offensive points. You're giving a big contract to Brock Purdy? Because the Ravens did that to Joe Flacco, and it, it, it torpedoed the team for like the next five years. Um...
2: Well, he's not eligible for a big contract yet.
1: He will be after next year. It's after the normal third year.
2: The, nor- the normal timeline. Yeah, so I would see year. how the third year goes. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, you're probably, I'm giving him a contract. Okay. The earlier the better because you don't want to have to pay him more later. He's going to be their quarterback for a while.
1: Okay. Final four, four quickies brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Uh, just tell me the first thing that pops into your mind. Start you with this. Give me your official prediction on the game. Chiefs 24-20. 24-20. Do you want me to extrapolate or just be quick? Uh, how am I doing it? Uh, Quick 30-second extrapolation
2: Okay, on that, on that one. Alone. I think the Chiefs are the better team. I think that if they play 10 times, the Chiefs will win 7 or 8. I think even if you believe it's a close game, I don't understand how you could go with Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy over Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes for a bunch of different reasons. I think the Chiefs are better. I do think it will be a close game. I'm hoping maybe it's a close game,
1: 24-20. How many Super Bowl championships from Patrick Mahomes when his career is over? I'm going to go with five, okay.
2: which I think is a really impressive number. Yes. Obviously, second most ever. He's going to have some serious challenges. Serious challenge number one will be when Kelsey's done, because that's been such a difference-making player for him. And then serious challenge number two will be when Andy Reid's done. You know, like Brady didn't have to deal with that. Brady won Super Bowls with three different iterations, right? Like Pats 1.0, Pats 2.0, and the Bucks. Mahomes is still doing it sort of with Kansas City 1.0. So we'll see if he can transition and do it with a 2.0 or somewhere else, maybe
1: something. Right, right. That makes sense. Uh, What's your favorite table game? None. None? I don't gamble.
2: I invest. (laughs) I I don't like to, uh, I don't like, I, I don't enjoy it. I really don't. I, I don't enjoy it. I don't really get it. Um, I'd rather. I'd rather bet on sports. If, if you. If you like, I went to Circa last night. That place is unbelievable. The yeah. sports book at Circa. Yeah. That is like heaven. But no, I'm not a. Uh, I, I never really enjoyed that. Like, if I come out to Vegas, I'm at the pool all day, and then I go to an amazing dinner, and I go to like a show, like J Lo or something, right? Like, I, at no point do I go bet. I don't need to bet. All right. Finally, then, what's the best show you've ever seen in Vegas? Probably J-Lo. Okay. Because I haven't seen as many as I would like, but there was like a, uh, what's it called? Like a lounger, like a barca lounger. Yeah. And the things that she was able to do on that barca lounger, it was really, really impressive. Really impressive. And I was with there with my wife and she felt the same way.
1: Uh, I'm impressed with that, just that breakdown. Ross, you're the man. We appreciate it. Enjoy your weekend. You're the man, Saran. And of course I remember you. Good talk with you. All right, what was the first Super Bowl to begin
0: after 5 p.m. Central time? Brought to you by Joe's Kansas City Barbecue.